everyone, thank you for listening. My name is Karen Bethar, and I'm your host every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. You could tune in, Getting Real with Real Estate. And it's just um, you know, a little place that I could share some real estate information. Um, I'm a real estate broker in Brooklyn, so I specifically, most of the information is dealing with Brooklyn real estate. I know out of Brooklyn, Jersey is a little more, a little different. And over here, we'll be having, you know, home inspectors come on every once in a while. We'll be having real estate attorneys. We'll have mortgage brokers join, home, in, home inspectors, home insurance, a lot, especially, you know, about renter's insurance. There are a lot of different topics that we can cover. And you can definitely send in your, later I'll open it up to question and answer. And if you have any specific topics that you would like, you could either, you know, on on Instagram, Sinai Radio, or the Bethar team, just shoot me, shoot me a message. This is the first time I'm doing the podcast, so you'll bear with me. I uh, definitely have a passion for real estate, and I love giving over information. So, hope you uh, you're joining with me. So today we'll be just starting with the basics about the home buying process, and there are, you know, many different ways that people start the home buying process. For some people, it goes really smooth, and they basically, you know, their parents or in-laws or whoever is helping them out just say, I saw this house, come look at it, and, you know, they guide them through the whole process. And for many people, it can be a very frustrating process. The Brooklyn market is, you know, not so clear-cut. If a great home comes on, there are many, many buyers. So there are a few things that you can do once you, you know, discuss it, you know, with your family and you're like, I'm ready to start looking for a home. There's it's not necessarily do you just, you know, go on Instagram, go on Facebook, look at the papers and just decide to look at homes. That's one way that many people, you know, do it. And in the past, um, I have seen buyers just, you know, randomly see five, ten homes and then they're like, oh, yeah, I need to get my financials together. My uncle said he'll co-sign. My father-in-law is going to co-sign. But once we dig a little deeper, their father-in-law is already co-signing for five people. Their uncle can't really co-sign now. You know, the cousin who is going to give them the money is not liquid. So there are a lot of things that go into um, a home buying process. So I would say the first thing that you should, you know, have together is your financials. Just to know your numbers, know where you're holding and obviously, when we invite a mortgage broker on, you know, on the podcast um, one week, we'll definitely get into, you know, more details, and you could ask more questions. But just like for reference, in terms of down payment, so people always ask, how much money do I need to have? I heard you could only have three and a half. You could put down three and a half percent. You know, you could put down five percent. So yeah, I definitely did do a deal or two that they put under five percent, but no, they were not in the mean area. They were not in the main, you know, Midwood proper or Marine Park. They're a little further out. So typically, the typical down payment that I have, I've been seeing is 20% down. And that's total down payment. What, there are some cases where the seller will, you know, accept 15%. And a lot of buyers tell me, what's the difference to the seller? They're getting their money by closing. So what do they care if we put 5% down 
and you know the rest is funded by the bank. So there are more than one reasons. I, I, I know two that are pretty common that are sellers' concerns of why they want a buyer to put down you know, 20% total down payment or something close to that. One of the reasons is basically if the home is not going to appraise for the value, if you're borrowing 95% from the bank, the, the home might not be appraised for, for the value that you want it to be and it might be an issue once you're in contract. So that's one aspect and the more down payment than you put, it just shows that you're a more solid buyer, you're less at risk to just walk away. Definitely there are strong buyers who only have a 10% down but they have strong financials and they could afford the five, $6,000 a month you know, mortgage. There are exceptions to the rule but in general in Brooklyn, in like, if you, if you want to also get a good deal especially, most of the time it's 20% down, 30, 40, half of my deals are 50% down. So that's basically it. I would say that when you sign contract, you don't need all the down payment by signing contract. But when you sign contract, typically it's 10% down when you sign contract. So sometimes people say, yeah, I'll get the money together and have 60 to 90 days. But no, when you're ready to sign, then you need the 10% down. Sometimes, sometimes I get an offer from buyers and I see they're only putting 5% down. I would say maybe 5-10% of my deals are like that. So I always like to ask why. If you're putting a total of 20%, then why do you only have 5% now? So if they give me an explanation that makes sense, I'll take it from them. Like, for example, I'm selling a property or a family is giving me the rest of the money in a month, but I just have the 5% down now. It has to have, be a reason that makes sense. Um, so that's one thing about the financials is the down payment part. Another another aspect that you need to discuss with your mortgage broker is, mm -hmm. you know, run your financials and run, do you need a co-signer, do you not need a co-signer, how much money, depending on how much you're borrowing, if it's a, you know, you're borrowing in the fours from the bank, mm -hmm. then in the 400 range, then you definitely need to make less than if you're borrowing, the, the rules are much less, you know, as much, much less stricter you know, if you're borrowing four in the 400 range and under. So it all depends on do you need a co-signer or do you not? And once you have everything worked out with your mortgage broker, then your down payment, how much you're borrowing. Sometimes I like to tell buyers just work backwards. Like they tell me right now I'm paying, you know, in rent 2500 I'm comfortable going up another 500 So I could pay around $3,000 a month. I could borrow from the bank 1.5, but I really want to stay in my budget. So I always like to say, like, work backwards. Go to a mortgage broker that's knowledgeable and tell them it's not what I could borrow from the bank, but it's more like, what could I, I want to know what, what number is it that I'm going to get to $3,000 a month. Working backwards helps a lot of the clients that I'm working with, um, a lot of the buyers. So that's one aspect that I like to say. And in terms of a pre-approval, so a pre-approval, some call a pre-qualification, they're all the same thing. It's basically you speak to a mortgage broker, you give them your financials, they run your credit, and they give you a paper that says after reviewing your financials and your credit, you know, you're, you could borrow X amount of dollars. So basically what I've found is there are many, even big banks, I'm not going to name any banks, I don't know, I don't want to name any, any banks over here. 
But uh, they have given people pre-approvals without running their credit. They, they have like credits under 700 and I'm like so shocked. So I would say not all pre-approvals are equal, like not all homes are equal, not all pre-approvals are equal. When I get multiple offers and I have to present it to a seller, if I get an offer that's like $10,000 higher than all the other offers, but it's a bank that, you know, a mortgage broker or a banker, I'll discuss that in a little bit, um, that just gives, you know, pre-approvals very easily or I don't know them personally, I would call them up if I don't know them and I'll say, did you run the credit? Did you run, did you review their income? Or are you just going based on what they said? Um, so that's basically, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not all pre-approvals are equal. You really have to, you know, dig down and see did, did a mortgage broker qualify them properly? That makes mm -hmm. a big difference. So a lot of buyers, once like they get the go-ahead from family and a, like the family is saying, I'll give you 100000 I'll give you 150000 mm -hmm. as a down payment and they're excited, you know, especially if their sibling just bought or their family member just bought or their friend just bought a house and they're in the mode of, you know what, they're renting for many years, let's go buy something. It's just, it's a positive mode, you know. No one wants to waste the time and be bogged down with financials. I get that all the time. They're like, don't worry, I'm good, I'm good, trust me. My father's this, my uncle's this. And I believe them, but they don't know that. Just because someone's a millionaire doesn't mean they have the million liquid to give you. So that's a very big, um, big thing. I'm coming across that more often that they're saying, their family's saying, go look for a house when you find something, we'll help you. It doesn't work like that because whoever's looked for homes in the past, when you're looking and looking, it's so emotionally draining. It can be, especially when you get outbidded and, you know, people are giving cash offers or no mortgage contingent offers. You know, it's it's hard to be, you know, outbidded and looking for so long what you're looking for and just seeing the prices. But sometimes, and you don't want to go through the financials, but sometimes, like financials is the going through your financials first and making a list of, you know, how much is your, your monthly payments, how much down payment you have, and obviously there's some wiggle room. If you're looking in the ACE and you have a great house that comes up, maybe you'll go to your family and they'll give you that extra money, or maybe you could pull out from, you know, retirement funds or things like that. But I, a lot of people want to just skip and go to the fun part of looking at homes, but the, fin the financials is so important. I'll give you an example today. Just today, there's a house that we're selling. Um, we, there are three people that, like, we're deciding who's going to be taking it. All three are speaking actually to the same mortgage broker, happens to be, and everyone, one has a house that they need to sell. One said, I'm 100%, I'm good to go, I'm telling you, I spoke to a mortgage broker a year ago when I was looking, and it ended up being, he needs a co-signer. There's someone else that told me also, like, he's like, come on, you don't know my family, and between me and you, they really, they might need a co-signer. So especially when you're borrowing more than that, like in the 400 range, I don't know the exact number, it used to be 417, I don't know the number exactly now. So I would say that that's, that's very important. When you have your financials ready, when I get someone's offer and they're like, oh, I'm going to go get you a pre-approval, I'm not so confident in them. If someone comes to me with a pre-approval, and usually if you get one every two, three months, you should update it. If someone comes to me organized with a written, pre with a written offer and a pre-approval from someone that's like reputable, I'll look at that offer and I'll, sh you know, give over that confidence to the seller. I'm not the final decision maker, but the sellers look to me a lot and ask me like, what do you think? And if someone's like, 
when they get an accepted offer, they go then like, oh, now I need to go sell my house. Now I need to go speak to my uncle. Doesn't work like that. Um, so getting your financial set is very important. And I'm not sure if anyone has any questions or if anyone's listening. <laughs> I don't even know if you could and if I have to approve questions over here. I'm not sure how it works. But if you have any questions, feel free. Before I move on, anyone have any questions on the financial part or anything else? Okay, so I'll move on to the next thing. Um, basically, I would say once your financials uh, is set and you spoke to a mortgage broker, you spoke to, you know, you spoke to your family and you figure everything out, you, now you begin your search. So there are different ways, you know, different ways to begin to search. In Brooklyn, unfortunately, there are many homes that are private sales, I would say, and that not necessarily are they using a broker or some brokers, a lot of brokers, don't necessarily let other agents come in so that it's just an exclusive to them. So I would love to tell everyone, yes, when you're looking to buy, only call me. Obviously, it doesn't work like that. You can't call one broker. I would love that to change in the Brooklyn real estate market. It would be nice if, you know, change, slow changes are good. Um, but I know I have friends who are, you know, in Staten Island and Tom's River and Jersey and in Muncie also, you call up a, you call up an agent and they ask you if you're working with anyone else. Like if you're loyal to them, they'll be loyal to you. And I find that a lot that if you're going to hop around from broker to broker, you know, no one has your set best interest in mind. It's when you work with someone, they know your style, they know what's going on. Um, Hopefully it'll change, you know, pretty soon, and you'll just everyone will have a broker they work with. You they show you things. If you don't like their style, you switch to someone else. But it's not like I send you a listing, ten agents send it to you, and you don't know who to use, and you don't know who told you first. It just gets confusing, and you don't have a set answer, and no one gets a real strong feeling of you know what's going on and what's important to you. Basically, there. You know, right before you begin your search, I would say just sit down and have a conversation with yourself, with your spouse, with your family, whoever the decision makers are, and figure out, like, what's a must-have? You know, um, is a master bathroom a must-have? Is a private driveway a must-have? Would you consider a private carport or it has to be a driveway? You know, there are some things that buyers tell me, like, I'm never going to buy this type of, I'm never going to buy a house fully attached. And... So um, just if anyone has any questions, I'll give you the number to call. It's 605-781-1200. You can listen live to that number, and I'll be able to take your call. Okay. Or you could 319-527-4160. You could call that number, and I'll take your calls. Okay. So as I was saying, yeah, I had one person, one buyer, we're, we're working with them for like six, six months, eight months, and just the prices weren't in their range, what they were looking for. They wanted to live near family, but they didn't want a fully attached house, and parking was a must-have, and their budget was very tight. So I always say, like, just be open. Obviously, if your budget's not $2 million, don't be open and go look at $2 million. But within normal range, just, just be open. You know, one particular buyer that comes to mind, and I always say, they ended up buying a house that was fully attached with no parking. 
but it was an area they loved and had the amount of bedrooms they needed. It just worked out. It was near their job. So sometimes when you put yourself in a box, you know, and you say, I'm only, you limit yourself, you're really limiting yourself, and you don't know what's out there in anything in life. Just be op more open-minded. I find um, some people, they don't want to go past King's Highway, or I'm not going to go, I like this one, I'm not going to go past Bedford. I'm like, you'll go to East 24th, but you're not going to go to East 26th. Um, if anyone has any questions, I'm more than happy to take questions. So in terms of, you know, you got your financial straight, you made a list of what's important to you, not necessarily is it important to your spouse. So Hi, I would Karen, say... I follow you all the time. I think you're great. Um, ah, thank you. Um, I'm renting for a few years now, so um, right now I'm looking into buying. I wanted to know what are the steps, what I need to know basically. Okay, great. Thanks for following. So I would say you're renting now for a few years and you want to know the steps to buy, you mean? Yes. So I guess basically like tonight I started like in, an, you know, in a slower version of it. Um, I would say just speaking to a mortgage broker and figure out, figuring out your financials. A lot of times you know like, okay, I know, I know I can't buy in the next year, a year and a half. You might have credit, someone might have credit issues. They could, uh, a lot of times I send um, buyers to mortgage brokers and they run their credit and they're, you know, it always goes by brackets. Like if your credit is between, I'm making up, it up exactly, I don't know how the brackets go, between 7 and 729, you could get this rate. If it's between 729 and 749, it's this, this rate for, you know, uh, for the mortgage. So um, a lot of times buyers, they know like they're renting. They might buy in the next one, two, three years, but instead of waiting till, till you're ready, I would say speak to a mortgage broker. There's credit specialists. Maybe we'll bring them on the line once. So you can ask your questions. There's credit specialists to fix your credit. They can tell you how much you need to save for a down payment. They'll just educate you on the financials. Um, besides like getting your financials ready, there's nothing really else to do because you don't know what the homes are going to be worth in one to two years. And you're not going to actually go look at homes that you're going to buy in two or three years because unless it's a, you know, unrealistic seller, they generally don't last for two years. So, yeah, I would say, you know, if you want to reach out to me, you said you follow me, so I could put you in touch with a mortgage broker to just, like, walk you through the process, speak to you, see your financials. You know, a lot of times you have to have two-year work history. If you just started a great job, not necessarily could you, you know, could you get a loan right away. There's different, you know, different aspects of that. But thank you for your question. Thank you so much. Sure. If anyone has any questions, you definitely could uh, sign in. The number is 319-527-4160. So I was just talking about like being open and, you know, being open-minded on you know, what's available and just going to look at things. And in terms of actual search for a home, there are different places to look. There's, you could call up, you know, real estate brokers, you could call us. <laughs> uh, we have, you know, different, different databases. There's, you know, social media, I would say half, more than half of buyer starter search somewhere online. I know nationally the statistics are much higher. Um, I don't have the exact statistic of what percentage of buyers starter search online. Online could mean social media, MLS, Zillow, StreetEasy, Realtor.com. I would say in Brooklyn, 
uh, the for sure the statistics are lower than the national average, being that not everyone has you know a computer or chooses to use one. So um, a lot of people just call us up, plain old calling, and sign your search online, educating yourself. You know, sometimes buyers call me up and say, I speak to them and everything, take the whole intake, and they tell me, when you find a great house, just call me. I have like three, four hundred buyers looking. I'm not necessarily going to remember you, um, but I will remember, but I always tell people, when you get a listing or when you see something, just go look at it. The more you go and look and you give your agent feedback of what's important to you, or you write down feedback, you're educating yourself. I can't just tell you when I find a great home, call you, because what's great for you is not great for someone else. We're selling a home that's back in Coney Island. And I was having a whole conversation with the buyer, and he's like, you know, if this house was two blocks away, I'm like, then he's like, then I'll pay more. I'm like, if this house was two blocks away, it'll be worth not double, but another, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand more. So in that in that particular house, so it's more like. A fault of a specific house could be someone's positive. We sold a house recently, I'll give you an example, that was an irregular lot. And it didn't have much outdoor space. And it was just on the market for a little while. It had to go, to, it was a very big house, but it had to go to the, that unique buyer. And it ended up going to a doctor that's not whole much. And he doesn't need the out, for him, the outdoor space is not important. There's a little porch, he can barbecue, and he's done. So I find that. Well, one person's negative is someone else's positive because they could get it cheaper or it's just not a negative for other people. Um, you know, when I was looking, a lot of my friends only wanted detached and I could not care less. So everyone has different um, things that are important to them and based on your budget, you'll see, okay, I want to detach, but I see I could get cheaper in a semi, so I'll live with that. But I'm not living with sharing the driveway. There's a lot of different things that you're giving up when you're buying in Brooklyn, you know, that's basically it. If anyone has any questions, definitely, you know, opening to take it. And I think for today, we, you know, we cover the financial aspect going into, there's a lot more to talk about, but this was basic, you know, being open-minded, making that list, being on the same page, and searching, you know, reaching out, looking up, and just going to luck you know, being open-minded about looking. So, hold on. I have a call. Looks like I have a call coming in. My, the number to call in is 319-527-4160. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying, hello? Hi. Hello? Do you want to ask us? Hi, how are you? Do you want to ask a question? Yes, I wanted to know as a new agent, uh, what is the best advice you can give to anyone who's a new agent in real estate, how to succeed? Okay, <laughs> great question. I actually love that. I, that's one of my passions, helping people succeed in anything. Um, so I would say the first thing for a new agent, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of, new, a lot of things that new agents need to learn is like, sales skills and, you know, dealing with people and, you know, accommodating yourself to other people's needs. But I would say, like, the first and foremost that I think is um, just developing a thick skin, you know, that's, and just being able to surround yourself with positivity. Um, 
I would say that's like the number one, the, the most important thing because you can have excellent sales skills and be great with people, great on the phone, love homes. You know, people tell me I love showing homes. I love looking at homes. I want to work for you. I'm like, that's not, it's not like the, you know, the only thing that you need. It's not even a criteria to love homes. You can love helping people. So I would say like, one of the things I would say is uh, being successful, you know, tips to be you know, starting out is definitely work on your, surround yourself with positivity and uh, listen to, there's so many um, motivational coaches and real estate coach and in general that I listen to and I'm a broker for six years and I listen to at least three, four, five times a week, at least. There's Tom Ferry, Ricky Caruth, I listen to Tony Robbins. Grant Cardone, just to name a few, and I'm constantly like working on my positive mindset and the thick skin. You know, this business is it's not easy. You know, besides like you're helping people and you're watching people like you know emotionally going through the whole process and not being able to afford a certain house they need or maybe selling because of divorce or specific reasons. There's a lot of emotions, and you need to always be at your optimal state. I find in order for you to give and help. So there are many agents who are not givers and, you know, you, it's very clear when you meet an agent if they're like a taker agent and just like in it for themselves or a giver agent. So, yeah, basically, hope that, hope that's a good tip. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Really. No problem. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Sure. Good luck. Bye. Good luck. Sure. Thank you. So just to recap, if anyone has any questions before we uh, sign off, the number is 347, sorry, it's not, it's 319-527-4160 if anyone has any questions. And looking forward uh, to continuing every Wednesday at 9 p.m., Getting Real with Real Estate with Karen Bethar.